if once you know who your ideal client is, you need to change your language. You need you need to match their language. Hey everybody, what's up? My guest today is June Han, an amazing human being and a successful entrepreneur from San Diego. June has a TEDx talk. It's called Get Ahead by Giving Back, and he definitely follows what he preaches. Aside from building multiple successful businesses, he's also a huge believer in giving back, so he loves to share his knowledge and insights on how to build your own business. I definitely picked his brain more than a couple times, so um, in this conversation, I got to do it again, and we talked about amazing topics like sales versus marketing, about the worth of having technical skills, about how to find your ideal client, including going into even granular details like demographics versus psychographics. We also talked about podcast for a bit. June's new business is a software uh, that basically connects podcast hosts with podcast guests. And it's an interesting topic of its own. So we got to talk about that a bit. So ladies and gents, without further ado, I present to you June Han. Let's get started. Yo, 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 what's up, creative entrepreneurs? Sagi here, and welcome to the Creativepreneur Show, the podcast where digital creatives share their stories on how they've instilled greatness into their own lives and the lives of others. We will discuss strategies for online businesses, personal branding, mindset, design, digital marketing, storytelling, high achievement, and so much more. Everything we need in order to build our influence, our brand, and our businesses in order to build a life of impact. So, hey everybody, what's up? Welcome to the Creativepreneur Show. And today I have June Han with me. June, what's up, man? Hey, man. Good to see you. Good to talk to you again, man. Been, been too long. Yeah, man, totally. And we've met first about, I guess like it was a, it was a year ago, more than a year ago. It was just February. a little over a year ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. February last year when I was in San Diego and we... Uh, San Diego misses you, man. <laughs> you need oh, to come man. out more often. <laughs> I totally should. I totally should. I'm actually going to be there in July for FlynnCon. Oh, very cool. Very cool. Are you going? I I'm, have a competing conference. Uh, oh, I'm okay. part of the National Speakers Association. So, uh-huh. But the cool thing about FlynnCon is like we've heard about it for almost a year now because uh, Pat, Pat does like a monthly entrepreneur meetup. Right. Just, San Diego just Entrepreneurs he, Group. Yeah, just because he believes entrepreneurship is lonely. Yeah. And so it's like a free meetup. And uh, there's probably like 20 of us that go every month. So I'm, I'm super bummed because I've heard about it and we help out a little bit, but like, but I can't actually be there, <laughs> yeah. but I might get in town right before you leave. So we'll, we'll see. All right, yeah. cool. So if we do, we should definitely meet up. And yeah, I mean, I brought you on today because of the couple, like, I guess you wear a couple hats when it comes to yeah. your relation to my, to, to this audience. I mean, you're part of the creativepreneur audience. You are like, you're a creativepreneur because you basically are totally a creative person and you work off of creativity you're also very technical and then you you also have software that is very con- like you have the the your new company which is very connected to what we're doing here and i'm gonna we're gonna talk about it all but first how about we hear just in very short like what's your story how do you get to where you are today what yeah, I mean, that's great. So, you know, most, most people know me from my, I have a TEDx talk called Get Ahead by Giving Back. So it's about right. succeeding in business through generosity. And that's just because when I started my first company about 15 years ago, you know, you look at how most people are successful is they're going to be successful because they're cutthroat business people, right? But I just yeah. realized if, that's a, if that has to be my strategy, I'm never going to be really good at it. Like, yeah. like the best I could be is like kind of okay. You know, because that's not the kind of person I want to be. And it doesn't come naturally to me, to be honest, right? right? So, you know, we built our business strategy through uh, the generosity strategy, which fits more 
of kind of how I do stuff. And I think a lot of creative people tend to be that way, right? They tend to not like corporate America because of the cutthroat politicking required, you know, stuff like that. So people can check that out. We'll, we'll send you the link for that. Um, yeah, for sure. But, uh, but, but so this is my sixth company. Uh, our fifth one, we kind of put to bed because we couldn't get out of the commoditized pricing range of that. Um, it was um, video production and like website design. Okay. And we just couldn't, um, after like a year and a half, we couldn't get to the rate that we wanted with mm -hmm. that. So uh, my co-founder still does that, but I got out of it because it wasn't, it wasn't hitting the like financial benchmarks that I was interested in. Like I'm still an investor in that company, but to, for me to directly work in a company, it needs to like be fairly lucrative fairly quickly, you know? And so, um, so, and then, yeah, so then like three years ago, kind of just, we're tooling around this idea of awesome guests and we'll talk about that specifics later, but um, it's a two-sided platform. We've, we're in, going in three years now. This is our first year where we're actually making money. So it's everyone in, my ha in the family's happy, <laughs> you know, that yeah. kind of stuff. But, um, you know, I, I love, I love helping people be known as the experts that they should be. You know, I think, I think a lot of, uh, and I was reading your post, great post about really short one about the imposter syndrome, right? Uh -huh. I think you wrote it last year. And, um, you know, I, I think the, the, the hard part with creative people is that you all tend to be friends with people. Like we are all friends with people in our own industry. Right. So because of that, we think there's a lot of people that do what we do. Right. right? You know, so it's like, I think there's a lot of professional speakers in the world. Well, it turns out there's less than 10,000, like certain, like real professional speakers in the whole world, like out of 8 billion people. Yeah. Right. And so I might feel like there's a lot of people, but if you actually do the math, like that's really small, right? 10,000 out of like, right. 8 billion. And so for anyone listening to this, think of something ubiquitous that's commoditized like a, like a, a photography. Right, like, and, and a lot of people own nice DSLR cameras, but that doesn't mean you're a professional photographer, yeah, right, necessarily. But the question is, how does a professional photographer do their brand positioning and their expert positioning so that when someone is considering them, price isn't the first thing, but it's more like your professionalism is the first thing I'm going to ask you about, and then the price, you know, we'll see if it's worth it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but the average, average photographer, I think, feels like a commodity because they look around like there's so many photographers. And you're like, yeah, but really, how many are there? Like how many professional photographers are there? Right. I don't know. If we, if we were to say generously, what, a million, which is probably not true, right? Yeah. There's, there's probably, what, half a million mm -hmm. like professional photographers in the world. So 500,000 out of 8 billion people. <laughs> That's pretty rare. But it doesn't feel that way. Right. It doesn't feel that way because you're reading about your industry you have friends in your industry, in your own industry, there's people that are world famous. Your whole Instagram right? is full of those people, right? Yeah, right. And so it, it makes you think like, yeah, it's, like, man, Who am I, I and how am I going to stand above the noise? Right. Now, and, and, the, and then, so the question is, I always say like the opposite rule. Like I said, if I look at your website and your marketing, yeah. if I could take your name out of it and just put anyone else's name, then mm -hmm. your marketing is shitty. Right. And that's, that's typical. That's, that, that's what like hurts me when I see like specifically people that are like good at, creative endeavors is when they talk about their own stuff it's so boring mm -hmm. or it's too technical it's not very relevant mm -hmm. right it's not based on like what's the real benefit for me what's the real problem you're solving yeah. and so uh, i can't tell you how many times like we have we have clients that are marketing cl firms marketing agencies that are like yeah. you know two two hundred million dollars fifty million dollars somewhere in between their their websites look identical they say the same jargon, the same whatever. So then, you know, then it's just about networking, which is a plug for networking, <laughs> right? Because if your marketing is yeah. not good, at least be a good networker. <laughs> right. I always say to 
to everyone, like in my community, I say like we you have four four pillars that make you a successful creative right. or a successful basically at anything at any field, but especially when you're creative because you have your professionalism that's one, and that is basically some of your expertise and your your expertise, but also your talents so yeah, and that's one, and then you have your networking game. Your networking game is how you network, but that also divides by the people you network. Like you need to network with people that are above you. You need to network with people that are same level you. And then right, yeah, you know, I, I heard you mention that. Yeah, right. And then we have people, and the the fourth is like content, obviously, to brand yourself as a thought leader, right? Because that will create perceived yeah. value, right, of your um, expertise. And then then you have pitching and selling. So what you're saying right now is like. Some people have a problem with pitching and selling. So you better have your networking game on. Like, right. right. And your content, yeah. hopefully, and your professionalism. So you need three out of those four to right. be successful. <laughs> well, and, and, and so I always look at it this way. There's, there's, there's three things you have to be good at as being an entrepreneur, I think. Yeah. And this is, again, just seeing all the mistakes I've made and all the different people I've been mentored by and mentored, mm-hmm. right, is that, like, most people, there's three things. There's three buckets, like sales and marketing, the technical skills, and then what we call management or leadership, you know, financial CEO stuff. So most people start business because they're good at the technical skills. They're good at that middle category. Like I'm a good plumber or I'm a good designer, yeah. right? And actually what I found is the more intelligent you are and the better you are at that middle one, you are really bad at sales and marketing. Because <laughs> it, they're, they're actually different skills, right? Yeah. It's almost a different mindset. So like, you know, there's that term, the shyster is someone that's really good at sales and marketing, but it's horrible at the technical skills. They don't provide the actual service that they are promising, you, right? And so, but but again, most people get in business because of that middle one. Like they want it to be, do this. Yeah. Like I don't know anyone and all the people I lecture, like when I speak at conferences for entrepreneurs, no one says, I want to be an entrepreneur because I'm good at sales and marketing. <laughs> right, right. It's right. like I want to be an entrepreneur because I have a passion for creating great events, or I have stories to tell, or I'm a great designer, or I'm a I'm yeah. a better developer than anyone else. That's like the middle part. You're like, okay, well, you need to tell that story better for the sales <laughs> and marketing part, or hire someone that can yeah. do that. Right. Right. Uh, but yeah, so that's I find that's the heartbreaking thing is that the people that are usually the best at the technical skill, like they really are like the best kept secret, which is like the worst thing you want to be in business. You don't want to be the best kept secret, right? <laughs> you know, because usually your rates are not high; they're not they're not proportional to your expertise, and so right. it's, it really is heartbreaking, you know, yeah. to see that. And so, basically, if I if I'm coming back to like, uh, the, I guess a lot of people here listening to the show will have a service based business, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, they're creative people. We creatives are visionaries and we're like, you know, we're also integrators in a way where we can get on and, and do our work technically. Sure. But yeah, but so how, can we, how do you think, like, what, what are your tips for, for us to brand ourselves in the market? I, th- I think the, the thing that I've seen traditionally with service-based businesses because, um, like, so again, you and I know that, like, we can literally help anyone, mm-hmm. right? Like, if, if, if you were trapped in a room with someone for two hours, whether that person is like an employee or an employee, like a boss, you and I could give them general advice to help them be a better person, live a more full life, all that kind of stuff. And, and I think most people that do service businesses, you can literally help everyone. But the question is, who is likely to buy from you right now? Right. And what I mean is that there is someone that's praying to God right now that they run into someone with your skill set and your attitude and your values. Right. But but we don't know that because we think, oh, it's so hard to compete. And so the, the problem is when I ask most people, like, who is your ideal client? 
when I say ideal client is like they are ready to buy from you right now and they are willing to, they are so excited to introduce you to other people just like them, right? So it's, you're really targeting your loyal customer. Cause when you, um, when you actually like, um, study like again so some of our clients are uh you know i think our smallest client is a five million dollar marketing agency we have one that does 120 million with where they leak where their money leaks it's hard to notice when you're that big but it's still money that's leaking out and what their money leaks out is that they don't get um repeat business or they don't get to like get strong referral business so what that means is every client every new client they get they have to pay the full acquisition cost to get that new client yeah. Right. But if I, if it took me like, I, I'll tell you, like if, if most of your listeners, if I ask them, what's your, what's your client acquisition cost? They'd be like, fuck, I don't know. What, what, <laughs> what, what is that? Like how much in time and money does it take you to land your ideal client? Right. 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 So for in, in our business, and this is the business we don't really take on new clients anymore. Our strategy and process engineering company. Um, yeah. We still have like, we do two new clients a year, but we don't take on, it's only like strictly referral. Right. But when we were growing and try to try to get that, what you notice is like, um, it cost us if, if the client project was going to be under 30,000, it would take us about $6,000 in time and money to get that person. It was usually two appointments and then we're done. Right. Mm -hmm. Anything over like anything over that. So when we're trying to go for like a hundred thousand or $200,000 client, they would take about 18 months to get. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's the acquisition sales cycle, right? It would take about 18 months and it would take about maybe twelve, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000 in time and money to, to land that client. Well, then now I know what I need to set my rates at, right? Because who's paying for that money? You've got to build it into the client, right? Yeah, or else right. you're paying for it. If, you're, if the yeah. client's not paying for it, you're paying for it because there's no like free money out there, right. right? So like if I don't know who my ideal client is, then I can't even figure out like what do I need to do to get that person? Right. So like right. turns out certain words bring my ideal client and certain words repel my ideal client. Right. Right. And so yeah. you got to know what that is. And so that's the first one. And I think most people mark that's marketing one one, right? Know your customer avatar or your yeah. ideal client. But I, I think most people, they really can't tell you though. Right. Like if, if someone put a gun to my head and said, June, your life depends on getting two new clients today. Like in, in the flesh, right? Yeah. I know exactly what restaurants I need to go to at lunch today. And I know where I need to go to tonight to try to find those people. Because I, I have two very distinct ideal customers. And I know, I, know every, I know where they hang out. This is like creepy, like restraining order territory. Like I know where they go. <laughs> I, know, I know what their you know, lifestyle is. I know what kind of cars yeah. they drive. Like, like Sugi, I know when I show up to a workshop, this is back when we were getting, you know, trying to grow our strategy business, right? Yeah. I knew going into workshop, looking in the parking lot, if this audience was going to buy from me or not, <laughs> based on the kind of cars that were there. I just knew it for a fact, you know? And so yeah. I, I, it surprises me how little people know about the, who their ideal client is. Like who, yeah. who has constantly referred you business? Okay, well, those are the kind of people you need to find. <laughs> yeah. And, and what about like, what are the things that will help the people right now that are wondering, huh, I wonder who my client is. What will help them even if they still don't know, right? Because you're saying like most people right. don't know and it's true. Yeah, yeah. And so people are now wondering, I guess like uh, this part of the show, two things is like one, I wonder who's my, my ideal client, but right. how do I, like what should I know about them in order for me to know who my ideal client is? So Right, so I think there's, there's that like saying, like when it talks about like marriage or dating, like if you can't be with the one you love, love the one you're with. <laughs> right. <laughs> so like, 
<laughs> you know, so like, so for instance, um, Apple, Apple as a company, they know exactly who their target audience is, but it's so interesting. Mm -hmm. They actually have two distinct customer profiles. Most people don't realize that one of them, they don't market to at all. The second one, they spent millions and millions, hundreds of millions of dollars every year to market to. Mm -hmm. So their primary customer, their ideal customer is a designer, um, someone that, you know, likes the, um, the feel and shape of electronics, right? Yeah. So that person doesn't need to be marketed to, you know why? Cause they just do one Macworld address every year. And basically everyone, it's that's just Apple saying, this is, Hey, if you're our first kind of customer, this is what you're going to buy. You haven't worn a watch in nine years, but we're going to come out with a watch and you're going to want to wear it. I mean, just think that's fascinating, right? Yeah. Like, so they don't mark, they don't spend any money marketing to that primary person. Yeah. So interesting, but that's their ideal customer that wants to pay. I don't want to pay, you know, $300 for a PC. I'll pay $800 for a Mac, yeah. right? Because of the design and the brand promise and all that stuff. Right. So all they do is a keynote address once a year and everyone's going to line up. Think about that. People stand overnight to go like, you told me two months ago I needed this. So two months later, I'm standing in a line to get this. Right. I'm right. So they don't have to market the, the second guy out there right? store. The second person is who they spend hundreds of millions of dollars to market to is the person that kind of wants to be as cool as that primary person. Does that make sense? And so that's the person that is price sensitive. And so they have to actually market to that person all the time. And the message is, don't you want to be cool? Don't you want to be cool? Don't you want to be better than other people? So um, I, I think if, if you have an extensive, like, listen, if you have 10 clients, I guarantee you, you can look through those 10 clients and go, there's a client I never want again. And there's a kind of client that I want more of. Right. 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 So then you look into that category. Now, if you're brand new and haven't landed at least a sample size of 10 people, what you do try to do is go, okay, who, who do I think I can get? Like, who do I really want? Right. And so like in business, there's this dumb saying called like low hanging fruit. Yeah. Right. And so a lot of businesses target the low hanging fruit. Well, so the whole point of low-hanging fruit is that they're easy to get, right? But yeah. they're usually very cost-sensitive. So the way you get them is through pricing, which I think is a horrible yeah. business model, right? Mm -hmm. Up higher, the higher fruit is places only certain people can get those people, yeah. right? So like I have, I, I met this guy, um, what's his name? Marshall Goldsmith, I think. He wrote a book, really bad book, but a great title called What Got You Here Won't Get You There, okay. right? It's a yeah. super old um, book. It. It's, it's, it's his brochure as, a, as an executive coach, right? So this guy's business model is you don't pay him anything up front, but you take a pre-assessment or pre-coaching assessment, and then you agree how much the growth areas are to you. And then if he helps you grow in those areas, then you owe him this much money. Got it. Right? And so he makes so much more money executive coaching than anyone else I've ever heard of. And he's so kind and generous. He like wrote out his business model and tells me his pitches. He's phenomenal, yeah. but he's doing the higher hanging fruit. It's yeah. very hard to get there, right? But those are right. people likely to buy from him. And so yeah. I, I think what's hard is that, um, you know, Suggy, like, uh, listen, like there's certain kind of people that respond to my message, right? And there's certain kind of people that get really annoyed by it. Like yeah. if I do a, like a presentation. Yeah. And so if you know that one record yourself and then go back and like write down like, okay, this, the crowd seemed into it. This one seemed like some blank stare faces or whatnot. I'm very scientific on that kind of stuff. I don't leave anything up to just guessing, right? Okay. You are your own data. Um, but if, but if you don't know, then you kind of need to try it. Like just say, okay, the next six months, 
I'm just going to try to get as many clients as possible. And then after six months, I'm going to put in my calendar six months from now, spend a day analyzing my sales data. Right. And also my satisfaction. I'm like, okay, so in, in the last six months we landed 60 clients, yeah. um, which one of those would we never take again? Yeah. And which one of those were we, we, Hey, if we could get 10 more of those, yeah. that's even better. And then analyze how you got them in the first place. So right? I, I just want to ask you right now. So I guess yeah. people are asking like, all right, so let's say I have a kind of beginning. I have some clients, let's say the past five clients I had. Cool. Five clients. Yeah. Now I know like one of them is my best client. I love this guy. Right. Right. Another is like, I know exactly who I really don't want as a client again. Exactly. Perfect. In the middle yeah. are just like a couple of, okay, nice clients. Right. So let's say I'm taking that one that I'm saying, I would love this again, please. Sure. What do I need to now do? Like, do you write those down? Do you, um, yeah. So, so there's a lot of, there's, there's a lot of things. So I, I generally think there's about 30 different things. So the, my analogy is this, if you ever see those like crime investigation shows where the, the police throw out a profile, right? Yeah. Okay, this is this person, uh, male, 32 to 45, wasn't loved by his mother, was working a blue collar job, driving this kind of van, hang, you know, like this kind of troubled history. They get really into the psychology. The psychology, so, so for your listeners, there's a difference between demographics and psychographics. Okay, so demographics is what a lot of marketers fixate on, but that's not really as important as psychographics. So psychographic is the mentality of your buyer, right? So like my, yeah. my ideal client for strategy tends, has tended to be a woman that's running a five to $120 million company. She is the founder, right? But she's typically like age-wise demographic is she's a woman. She's very well-educated. She usually doesn't have an MBA, but she, um, she is usually a little bit older because she's the original founder of a multi-million dollar company. Right. Yeah. But what's more important is a subset in that is the way they think. Like my ideal client loves Oprah. So yeah. I share Oprah stories all the time. Yeah. Right now. So this is simple. Like back when I first started, this was harder to do. Mm. Now, if I know who my, like say, Sugi, if you're my ideal client, yeah. I just follow you. I follow you and audit you for like a month on social media. What are you liking? What do you post on? What kind of conferences do you go to? Who are you reading? When you, I start to write down what like kind of shows you like or what like authors you like, I can start to understand what you value. You might be a data person or you might be an idea person. Those are two different people, by the way, right? So it's actually, if you go to the first sentence I say in my TED talk is I start out with a story, but the story has data in it right away. Because when you're speaking to a general audience, there's two kinds of people. There's people that love ideas, like, you know, love visions and ideas and stuff like that concepts. And there's people that want like hard data. Yeah. So most people, when they speak to an audience, they usually start out one way or the other and you just lost half your audience. <laughs> right. So like, like I always say, if you're going to start a workshop or a presentation, start with the story, but make sure that first line has some data in it yeah. because now you've trapped both kinds of people. Right. Yeah. But like for me, I know that like the, the people that tend to hire us for strategy and process engineering are fairly metrics driven. Yeah. So we, we make our presentations a little bit heavier on that. Why? Because it gives them, it, we basically weed away. This is how you niche down. You start to weed out the people that are not your ideal client. Yeah. Now, some people are like, June, why would you turn away that kind of money? Well, it's not that you're not going to get them. It's that if you don't niche down, you're never going to get your ideal client. Yeah. Right? If you stay general, like yeah. If you stay general, you're never going to get, you're never going to really become known to that top tier client that you're going after, if that makes yeah. sense.
Yo, yo, what's up, creativepreneurs? So if you listened up until now, and I just want to drop in and let you know that the new batch of the Creativepreneur Accelerator is now open for enrollment. Now, that is to when this episode came out, and it's only for a limited time, um, just because we have limited seats available in the accelerator itself. So if you are interested in this six-month program where I will mentor you and a group of like-minded creative entrepreneurs in order for you guys to just scale up your business and also build your tribe, then this is perfect for you and I would love to talk to you. We have a landing page. It's on creativepreneuraccelerator.com or you can also find it in the show notes, probably in the Facebook group of creativepreneurs. If you find this relevant for you, just go to the landing page then you can book an enrollment call with me through that landing page and we can just hit it off and kind of like, I would love to hear about what your vision for yourself is. Where do you want to see yourself? How can I help you grow your business um, and take your creative skills in order to build a tribe and multiple revenue streams? I'm very excited about this because I've seen what it does to others and I know I can help you if you are a creative and you have a service-based business, and you want to grow a tribe of your own, produce content, and create a brand for yourself by having an online presence where you also educate others based on your experience, this is perfect for you. It's exactly what I've done and generated, obviously, a six-figure business off of this, multiple six-figure business just off of this in less than a year and a half. So I can definitely help you get there as well. So again, creativepreneuraccelerator.com, book the enrollment call, and we will talk. Enjoy the rest of this episode. Yeah, I mean, and I think it's like, it's nice to, like to kind of like think about it as like when you're passing up on opportunities, then it's like you saying to yourself, I'm on, an, uh, ever, you know, I'm on a quest to find my ideal client and I can only get to that. I'm on a journey and I need to continue in that journey. And any client that is, I know is not my ideal client is just like, holding me back from reaching the end of this. Right. It's, it's what they call opportunity. It's, it's an opportunity cost, right? Yeah. Is that while I'm servicing this one mediocre client, I've just lost the opportunity to network with two other ideal clients, right? right? So let me tell you all the things I know about my ideal client to kind of better answer your question. So I know what kind of car she drives. I know in general, like I know on a Thursday night, she's at a wine bar um, somewhere in, a, in an upscale part of San Diego. Mm-hmm. I know who she likes to read. I know what she finds offensive. Um, so what, what I have accidentally in common with that person that I ended up finding out later is that we hate machismo. Like in any, when someone's trying to act like they're bigger than they are, they're totally. So then I know like, okay, I need to never be that guy. Like, Hey, are you ready to like, you know, do that? Like they don't like that kind of guy. Right. And I actually don't like that kind of person either, by the way. I don't, I don't, I respect those kind of people, but I don't resonate with those kind of people. Right. Um, and so like, you know, this is not to say a negative thing, but I, th- I know you know John Lee Dumas, right? So I know him personally as well, right? Yeah. I would never respond to a speaker that speaks that way. That's just not, that just seems like a white cowboy, which like in America, there's a lot of those guys that are just full of shit, mm-hmm. right? So anyone that comes across as like a loud white cowboy kind of thing, I'm like, eh, I'll pass, right? Mm-hmm. But that's because that reeks of machismo, which means that person's more interested in being right than relevant. Mm-hmm. That person is more interested in being interesting than interested in me, mm-hmm. right? That, that's, a, again, a negative stereotype. I'm being very stereotypical, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But my ideal client also thinks that same way, mm-hmm. right? And so my clients actually have no problem spending a lot of money 
on things that they think are unique or are high value to them. They're not price sensitive at all. So oftentimes, so if I go, if I go to a networking event and I meet a woman that's in that age range, again, that demographic, right? Yeah, yeah. Now I need to talk and ask to see if psychographically we match. So, you know, first question always be, Hey, how'd you hear about this event? It's an easy icebreaker, right? Or like, yeah. what are you interested in learning from the speaker? Whatever, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. The second one I used to go to is like, Hey, what's some, I'm always looking to grow myself. What's, what's one of the best investments you did for yourself or your business this year? If they can't answer that line of thinking, what's the best investment I did for my business or myself? That means they're a cost sensitive person. So mm -hmm. they are now, now psychographically not a good match for me. Got it. Right. I still yeah. finish the rest of the conversation because they still might have an urgent need. Right. Yeah. But when I, when I grade that lead, I grade them as a C, not an A. Right. Right. They're not the first person I'm going to follow up after this event because I know that they're cost sensitive instead of investment oriented. Got it. Got it. All right. Cool. 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 Yeah. So I, I think like I want to continue to our, to our next topic just because I think like we covered a lot on the topic yeah. of finding your ideal client and I think it's awesome. I think there's great value. So and to really think about who your client is, think about it, think about the persona kind of like a police profile because you're thinking demographics versus psychographics. Exactly. And and then you are also looking for the values of that other person and you need to know whether these kind of people are like data versus ideas kind of person. And also a great strategy that you mentioned was like, when you go to network with those kind of people, then ask them questions that you prepare ahead of time that will basically show them, show you their values and right. like that you can understand their psychographics right away. And then like understand if they're a good person that you can do business with or not. Um, right. And I'll, I'll, I'll mention what the one practical thing that I I think people miss a lot of times like is that, mm -hmm. If once you know who your ideal client is, you need to change your language. You need to, you mm -hmm. need to match their language. So like our proposals, we before someone gets a proposal for us, we ask them the same questions in person, and then we follow up and ask the same questions online. Because some people are internal processors, right? So they they yeah. talk to you in person, but they they need more time. And what we do is we two of our, our four questions are very specific because we're gonna cut and paste their language yeah. from that into different parts of our proposal, and that always gonna win. That yeah. you're always going to win, right? Because people, when people feel intimidated or confused and it comes to money, their wallets are going to slam shut yeah. because they're going to feel like they're about to take, be taken advantage of. Right. Right. So the way you cut through that is being super relevant. Yeah. Right. Cool. Awesome. Yeah, good awesome. recap. Yeah. And by the way, there's a great way of um, understanding your clients or potential clients uh, language by doing something called uh, an ESC method campaign. I don't know if you know about that. Have you heard about it? Mm -hmm. So yeah. ask method by Ryan Levesque, it's like pretty awesome because then you send a survey out and you ask one what, what he calls the single most important question, which is an open-ended question. Then you get their language right. up and then you can basically just like do a tag cloud based on the results. And then the tag cloud, you can just like understand exactly how, what language they use. And you know, right. So. And, and you use, and you know, once you do that, you gotta, you gotta get good at it. You gotta use right. it, right. use it in your presentations, use it in your marketing, obviously in your proposal. Yeah. Like for sure in your proposal. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. 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 All right. Cool. So uh, next topic I think is like, um, let's talk about, and you know what, before we get to the next topic, I just want to mention, acknowledge you for being, for walking in the walk and not just talking in the talk, because when you gave that TEDx talk, get ahead by giving back back then, then like a year ago, I remember in social media marketing world where uh, you and I, we just like, we volunteered as a staff members. And then you just sat down an entire day and mentored the, <laughs> yeah. the other volunteers. 
So you just like, right. you had a list of people just like coming up to you and you just kind of like really just now, did you just gave value? So without wanting anything in return. So just want to acknowledge you for that. You're doing what you're <laughs> Cool, man. I appreciate yeah. it. Uh, yeah. Glad you noticed that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, and now I want to talk to you about awesome guests because that's your yeah. company right now. And I think it's very relevant to all of us here. Um, and one of the things that, you know, bring totally honest, it's like what I'm trying to do right now this year, I want to get on other people's podcasts. After I was interviewed by Pat Flynn, I got a lot of people coming up to me and wanting me to be to interview me for the podcast. But the interview with Pat Flynn is almost a year old now and those leads started decreasing, obviously. Sure. And then what I want to do now is I want to get on other people's podcasts, hopefully maybe even on some uh, great people's podcasts. And I'm wondering what's the best way to find you know, relevant people that have right. crowds that, you know, yeah. Yeah, so, so right now, I'll, I'll tell you, the way it is right now before we built our platform was that you would go on like on iTunes, right? And right. you find their podcast information, go to their website, and yeah. then click like some kind of like, but some websites don't, like, it's not really clear how to pitch to them, right? And also, when you're right. pitching to them, you know, you're pitching to them just through like pitching anything else. Like, they're not necessarily looking for you. They're just looking through the pitches, right? right. So what, right. What, we, what we found out when we talked, our site was originally built for like huge blogs that were looking for like constant guest contributors. And then also... In the last two years, we focused mostly on podcasters because we found out that the some of the world's best or most of the world's best podcasts are interview based. Because mm -hmm. it's the only way to like generate really good, unique content like on a regular basis, right? right? But then you ask those shows like, how long does it take you to search, like find and vet? Vetting is the most important part. Finding and vetting a guest, mm -hmm. they spend on average seven to ten hours per guest. Really finding, finding and the vetting. But think about what's think about how hard this is. Like, say if I had a, if I had a podcast that was focused on. Um, Latina, so women, Latina women, Muslim entrepreneurs. Okay. 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 How am I going to find those people? Like, how am I going to, like, you know, I go to a conference maybe. That's a good place to find podcast Facebook guests from groups. the host side. Right. Facebook groups, but like on LinkedIn, you can't look up gender. Yeah. Right. And they're not going to say Muslim yeah. necessarily, all that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so we built our thing mostly from hosts. So we basically spent like uh, like eight months interviewing all these hosts, like John Lee Dumas, like Pat Flynn, mm -hmm. just seeing what what's their like decision making process. Now yeah. these huge shows, they're mostly trying to keep people out, right? That's why JLD is saying, hey, we're gonna charge you thirty five hundred dollars. He doesn't really charge everyone that, but if you're not willing to pay that, then he doesn't want to talk to you, right? Right? And this is something fairly new, and uh, people in the podcasting industry are, like weirded out by this. They're like. Are you really charging people? Yeah, man, it's your platform. You could charge whatever you want yeah. <laughs> you know, for people to show up. Um, so the way we built Awesome Guests was that the hosts on there are actually looking for you. Like that's the difference, right? Like mm -hmm. just because you can contact, uh, find the pitch email address for a popular show doesn't mean that they're actually looking for guests, but they just keep that on because they don't want to take it off or something like that, right? Yeah. Um, and also the reason... You know, again, we built it all from the host. We want to make it easy for a host. So, Suggy, if you're on the website and you sign up on the guest and then you, you basically just message me, you do a search, you do you know search for like entrepreneur or whatever, and then the show pops up and then you message me, I can click on your profile with an awesome guest and it has all the other podcasts you've been on. It has interesting facts about you. It has whether you've been published in earned media, traditional media, if you have a book. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're willing to pay to be on my show, which is not required, but that, you know, that might get you in the front of the line. Yeah. Right. So, so we built that mostly for um, authors and like Kickstarter people that want to get a show in a timely, very timely manner. 
Yeah. And so they're just like, listen, let's just flood awesome guests with our money and get on as yeah. many shows within a small window as possible. Right. Yeah. Right. And then, and then podcast hosts, they love that because most podcasters are not making hardly any money if, if anything right. off of the show. Right. So, right. um, but what I like about it is we, so when we ask the host, like, Hey, when you're looking for a phenomenal guest, what do you want? It's like, yeah, you know, here's my thing. If I'm going to have Sagi on my podcast, I don't want him to talk about the same thing he talks about on every other podcast. Mm-hmm. Right. I want to know interesting stuff about him. And so, yeah, I can look up his LinkedIn, but I want to know, like, were you ever in jail? Like, you know, like, what did you do in college? You know, stuff that's not on yeah. LinkedIn, right? right. Or not right. public known. Yeah. And so our profiles are not publicly searchable. Like you can't Google and find out information because people are putting things like, listen, maybe my boss doesn't know this, but I'm transgender. And I want to be on these shows to talk about being a transgender professional Got and it. all the ups and downs. They're mm-hmm. not going to put that on LinkedIn. Yeah. Right. So right. let me tell you what, how we built this. So like, uh, about four years ago, we're at a, you know, I think we're at podcast movement. It was in Anaheim. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, we met, uh, my job, my, my co-founder's job was just to interview a lot of hosts and figure yeah. out the user interface. My job, I just wanted to meet someone from NPR and figure, because they have so many esoteric guest needs, like yeah. for different segments. Right. So I, right. so I was talking to this one producer and I'm like, Hey, tell me what was the hardest thing for you to find? And she's like, yeah, man, one time we want to do the story on the Colombian drug cartel stuff. And all we had as guests were like professors, right? (laughs) We wanted someone that maybe used to be part of one of these cartels. Yeah. I was like, well, then how did you find that guest? She's like, we couldn't. We couldn't find anyone with that kind of background. Because, again, who's going to put that on your LinkedIn? That I used to, you know, I used to be a mule for the whatever, Ariano Cartel, whatever. But on our thing, like people list things like that. Like, listen, I've been arrested in two different countries. If you look at my profile, it actually says that. I've been arrested in two different countries. You're going to ask me about that. It's a funny story. You, right, you, you have, by the way. Yeah, I've been, yeah, I've been arrested in two different two different countries. So, <laughs> really? so, yeah, it's all this, this but it's, it's, you put like these interesting things about me. I also put like, hey, here's something no one ever asked me about that people do. should. You know, yeah, yeah, I like, I live. My wife and I, we raise our three kids. We live in the inner city. We live in the hood on purpose. Yeah. Oh, oh shoot, that's a that makes me a very different kind of person. Right. Right. So like that's yeah. a very different different interview context. So um, so when you sign up as a guest. And it's funny right now, uh, about 30% of our paid guests are other podcasters mm-hmm. trying to be guests on other shows because they know that is the number one proven way to grow your show organically is right. to show up on other podcasts because you're in front of other listeners that right. have shown you that they like podcasts. Right. It's like, it's like the equivalent of a hundred percent open rate and a hundred percent click through rate. Right. <laughs> if if yeah. someone is listening to you on a podcast, you've opened and they've clicked on that message. Yeah. Right. So yeah. during your so, uh, but yeah, so that's why we built it that way. Yeah. Um, I, I think you and I are the same. We probably meet a lot of really phenomenal entrepreneurs, but we're just like, man, no one's ever going to hear about you. Like, you know, you deserve to win, but right now you're not winning the sales and marketing game. Mm-hmm. And so this, this system was like, listen, um, like if you have a huge social media following, you get a couple points. Like, uh, it's basically built on the same, uh, algorithms that like dating sites or like job recruiting sites are uh-huh. so when you sign up as a guest you just answer all our questions and it gives you like a point total so then what happens is a host on default can say um i'm looking for entrepreneur um you know uh maybe like multi-ethnic maybe a high-tech background mm-hmm. whatever right or male or female all that kind of stuff yeah and then the initial sort on the host side gets sorted by our awesome score mm-hmm. which is like you know basically Things that get hosts have told us make a great guest. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. We got pushback right away when we built it. 
I had a friend, she's got like a million Twitter followers and she loaded up her profile and she, her awesomeness score was not all the way awesome. And she's like, June, this is bullshit. How come I'm not like the best guest under my category? I'm like, well, why do you feel like you should be the best guest? You didn't fill out half the profile, right? You only put your, she's like, well, because I had this huge Twitter following. I'm like, here's the thing, man. We've heard from a lot of these podcast hosts that social media is important, but it's not the most important thing. In fact, some of these hosts don't like people with huge followings because they, those people come on very entitled to the show and end up being not very good guests. Right. So you get some posts for things like social media, but you don't, you don't win just based on social media. Right. Yeah. So, okay. Awesome. um, Awesome. So basically you got an algorithm and um, so Everybody listening right now that has a podcast can go on your can go on your website, Awesome Guests. Is it awesomeguests.com, by the way? Or yeah, awesomeguests.com. Yeah. Um, awesome guests with an S at the end. And uh, oh. if you're a host, basically like 99% of the features for a host are free mm-hmm. because we need oh. hosts obviously to use the site. Right now, the, there's only a couple of paid features that you want to upgrade for. If you want to show up as a guest, mm-hmm. like you want to use the platform on both sides, that is yeah. the professional membership, which is like you know, the full, the full daily rate, the monthly rate is $45 a month. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we'll post a special link for your, your people. It'll, it'll cool. be like a lifetime offer kind of thing, you know, cause it's typical internet yeah. marketing, right? But you know, <laughs> you, your people deserve a, a different offer than just some Joe Schmo. <laughs> <on the street. laughs> right, awesome. But as a host, yeah. as a host, definitely set up a pre free, free profile. Um, okay. And uh, the only reason you want to upgrade is again, you want to show up as a guest as well. Yeah. Um, you want to be able to look for paid guests, right? Is that's a feature? That's a paid feature. Um, you want last-minute guests, yeah. Um, or you have a thing what we call stealth mode. So, like again, this NPR person I was talking to, I showed her my thing on their phone, and she's like, "This is awesome. This is such a great." She's like, "But we will never use it." And then my heart was like, "Why would you not use our thing?" She's like, "Because we don't want to get pitched to death, huh. right? Because we're NPR yeah. people." Yeah. yeah. And so, I didn't know what to call it at that yeah. moment. But we had a feature that our my co-founder built where you basically put it in stealth mode. So I yeah. showed her. I'm like, no, you just press this, and now no one can see you. Got it. And she's like, what's that called? I said, well, it's called stealth mode. I made it up on the spot, right? <laughs> Typical entrepreneur fashion. I didn't know what to call it. Nice. Um, and so we can't tell you. Right now, there's three NPR shows, and there's two CNN correspondents that use our on the host side nice. that are looking for subject matter experts, but they're all in stealth mode. Nice. Right. So the same thing is like, you know, like we're, um, we're going to talk to JLD about using this for podcasters paradise because all those people want to grow their podcasts as well. Right. Right, But if he puts a show on there, we would tell him the first thing we tell him to do is put his show in stealth mode. Yeah. Because he doesn't want to get like 10,000 pitches because our system is so easy to pitch. They're going to get flooded with pitches. Right. 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 Um, And so unfortunately we can't, we can't brag about who's using our platform because they're using it in stealth mode. Right. But you it's know, good. But, it's good. Yeah. but they're still using it. Is that, right. That's the point, right? And yeah. so that's yeah. the point is they'll do that. So, cool. um, and then the other thing is the last paid feature is what they call unicorn alerts. So instead of going to our site every week and trying to search for stuff, you just put in who you're looking for, the unicorn yeah. you're looking for. And when someone under that category signs up, you get alerted. Super cool. simple. Nice. Yeah, super simple. Yeah. Awesome. We try to make it super simple for everybody. Yeah. We're all busy, man. We're all busy. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. No, it's awesome, man. It's really, really great. Yeah, I think we'll just wrap it up right now because we're out of time. But it's just awesome, like, you know, like, first of all, talking to you about ideal clients because I think it's a very important uh, topic to anybody who is service-based and talking to you about awesome guests because it's something that I care about. I don't know if most of the people probably don't, but I do, so it's my show. No, but I think, I do whatever but I think I want. <laughs> but, like most people... You know, 
listen, if you're, if you feel like you're a commodity, it's because you're not known as a thought leader. Like, yeah. like no one, no one goes to Oprah and says, Hey, Oprah, we want you to speak at our event, but could you speak for $5,000? Yeah. No one's going to do that. Right. Because right. she's a thought leader. Right. Right. And again, you don't have, you and I don't have to be Oprah, but if you're a bonafide thought leader, people pricing is not the issue. When you are hunting for a thought leader, pricing is not the issue. Right. right? And so all of your listeners should like uh, strive to be known as a thought leader, an expert. Right. Right, right, right. And, and yeah. that's so key. I mean, again, like brand yourselves, people, as thought leaders, because that's the way for you to create perceived value in industry. And that will boost your, like, if your experience is like, you know, at one level, this would like, you know, having, being in a couple of podcasts is already like giving, getting you to that next level in terms of pricing, in terms of, it's just like perceived value of you, like, right. And um, coming from a design realm, I know that design, what design does is it, basically it boosts perceived value like we can do a lot of things but what we can do is make uh you know a company that was designed in a garage of someone's mother's house you know look like a multi-million yeah. dollar company yeah. right? look like a global national you know yeah right so and and it's exactly that like you get on a couple of podcasts people start knowing you and hearing your name and then you know it's just it's a great way i think to to brand yourself and to start developing your brand. So June, just one last piece of advice to anybody yeah. who does want to get on a podcast. What is like one tip that you have for people on what they offer at the end of the podcast? Yeah. So here's my thing, man. If, if you don't have a net to catch your exposure, yeah. exposure can't help you. <laughs> right. Right? right. So like, so let me tell you this, there's a, the consumers, we have Apple to thank for this, but uh, yeah. everyone consumes things in bites, snacks, and meals. That's the way people buy things, bites, snacks, and meals. So mm. if you go to most businesses' website, the only option is either nothing or to get married to you. That's it, <laughs> right? So it's either nothing or the meal, the full course right. meal, right. right? So on your website, you've got to have bite, which is usually free, yeah. right? A right. snack, which is like free or low, low cost. And then a meal, you can have two kinds of meals. One is right. buffet, which everyone knows is like a, just a virtual <laughs> class or something like that. Or the other one is chef's table, which is a lot more expensive, a lot more exclusive. Yeah. Uh, if you want to be a luxury brand, only offer a chef's table version, right? Mm -hmm. But you guys still have to bite snacks and meals. And so right. um, I, I don't care what it is. Like, so this photographer friend, right? Yeah. He was feeling like he was a student of mine. He was feeling like he's a commodity. And I said, listen, did you know there's three kinds of photographers? And he's like, what? That's three kinds. And so I said, there's an amateur, which is like a one DSLR, no lighting equipment, no assistant, usually charges under $1,000. Yeah. The professional photographer, which charges a thousand to six thousand dollars, and that my friend had never charged over a thousand dollars for a wedding, right? And I said, and then the and then he's like, what's the third kind of photographer? Third kind of photographer is a world class, award winning photographer, which he happened to be, and he starts at six thousand dollars and above, right? Yeah. It's a yeah. simple, easy story, but if he put that story as a PDF, yeah. that that's that's the bite, that's the yeah. free thing: bite, right. snack, and then meal, right? Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Cool. Everyone All can right. do that. Anyone could come up with that if you knew that framework. Right. You know, by snacks or meals. So nice. I, I, great concept. Great concept for like, you know, strategy for a business. And cool. So June, thank you so much. Really appreciate you yeah, um, for coming on the show and sharing this value. And where can people find you? So awesomeguests.com, right? Right. They can do that. They can find me on Facebook or LinkedIn. I, I do a lot more on LinkedIn than Facebook, but, um, okay. but I'm part of your group. So like when you post this, cool. I'm going to be active in the comment section and answering people questions and stuff like that. Like you said, I like helping people out. I mean, we, we retired from technically retired. And so the entrepreneur definition of retirement is you don't have to be somewhere you don't want to be for money. Yeah. 
right? Yeah. So we hit that retirement goal seven years ago. And so yeah. I'm just trying to help as many entrepreneurs as possible through like experts like you, right? Cool. Cool. And I think what's tricky is like, you know, you and I, we can't go around saying you're a thought leader. That's a douchebag thing to do. Oh, I'm a thought leader. I'm a yeah. thought leader, right? But yeah. like you said, once you show up on someone's show, yeah. they position you as a thought leader because it makes that show look better if you're like a real important person. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so, yeah. yeah, that's, that's something we can all do. And, and I'll, I'll get in your group and I'll, you know, so, people can, people connect with there cause I'm a member. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Well, Jun, really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much, brother. And, um, yeah, yeah you, I hope yeah. to see you in San Diego. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> all right. All right. Later. <laughs> everybody all right so that's a wrap was a great episode i really enjoyed talking to june since then i actually got to meet him again in san diego it was just a few weeks before this episode came out so uh, it was great meeting june again i'm actually going to meet him again in a couple weeks when i'm back in san diego uh crazy times anyways june gave you a an, an amazing offer. So um, I also got to check out the offer after the episode and myself, I also uh, bun into it. So I'm inside uh, awesome guests and you should definitely also consider joining if you would like to get on other people's podcasts or your podcast hosts and would like other people, interesting people related to your topics to be on yours. So it's definitely a great, great, great deal. Uh, lifetime membership, and uh, you can just go to awesomeguests.com slash sagi, which is S-A-G-I, or just visit the show notes here. Show notes are on the blog, creativepreneurmagazine.com slash podcast, or go to creativepreneur.show. So everybody, hope you take care and enjoy. Hope you learned something from this episode. If you did, please share it on Instagram or just even send me a DM. I uh, would love to know what your thoughts are about all the episodes that we do here. This is definitely a show that I invest a lot into. I try to bring you the best guests, the people that I know personally and inspire me. So hope they inspire you too. Have an amazing day, night, wherever you are on the world, and I'll catch you on the next episode. This is how you niche down. You start to weed out the people that are not your ideal client. It's that if you don't niche down, you're never gonna get your ideal client.